You're listening to Wait, Am I an Adult Now? One of the only podcasts out there that interviews young millennials riding the squiggly line of life. We're your co-hosts, Shelby Wildgust and Savan Pichotto. And together, our mission is to inspire you with stories of millennials just like you who are paving their way in the new creative economy. Our guests are leading epic lives through entrepreneurship, artistry, charity, music, corporate leadership, and so much more. Are you ready to jump in? Let's go. What is up, everybody? We're back with another episode of Wait in Mind It's All Now. This is Shelby Wildgast. And this is Savan Petrotto. And we have a lovely guest with us. Guest, can you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, I'm Melissa Alam. And we're so excited to have Melissa on here today. It is a rainy Monday afternoon, and so we're going to do our best to have lots of energy and just <laughs> bring it all My up bad. and Sorry. down and all around. It's all good. <laughs> Give me that energy, Shelby. <laughs> Hey, listen, that's just part of it. You know, sometimes those Monday afternoons, you're like, geez. Yeah. Know, like, that's why I got my coffee here. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's what I didn't have today. I should have got coffee. Yeah. I don't think I had a coffee today either. Maybe that's why oh. I'm feeling weird. Well, maybe I'll bring it for both of you this time. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So, Savan, do you want to kick us off then? Yeah. So, we're going to start with our adulting moments of the week. As always, Shelby and I's adulting moments are very similar to each other. Um, so last week I ran out of toilet paper and I think it was about Thursday I ran out of it and was using paper towels <laughs> up until like Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was out all day Saturday. My roommate had a competition that she was a part of, so I wasn't home at all. And then... Didn't have time to get to the store because everything was closed by the time I got home Saturday. Sunday morning was Mother's Day, so I woke up really early, got to Target as soon as it opened, bought toilet paper, was out all day Sunday, and my dad was watching my dog for me while I was away. And I came home with the toilet paper, came in, went into my bathroom, and I noticed that there was a roll of toilet paper sitting there, which I think that my dad must have noticed that I was out and was nice enough to put one there for me. Wow. <laughs> Not have that Because he could see I was struggling, but... Yeah. yeah, so I got a text from my fiancé. I was in Houston last week, and I flew back on Friday afternoon. My flight was delayed two hours. We flew through, like, freaking tornadoes. Oh, um, I was significantly drunk by the time I got home because I was just... Well, Southwest gave us free alcohol on the flight because it was two hours delayed, so I was, like, nice. taking full advantage of that one. So I, I land, I get a text from Rob saying, hey, babe, sorry, toilet paper's out. Uh, can you get some more? And I'm like, uh, no, because I'm taking an Uber home and I'm drunk and I'm going upstairs to get ready to go out. <laughs> so anyway, did that, didn't get toilet paper. Then Saturday, I was really hungover, laid in bed all day, didn't get toilet paper. Then, um, then I went out for an event and then... Mother's Day happened, went up to North Jersey, didn't get toilet paper then, came back today, realized I had no toilet paper, had to resort to paper towels, it's <laughs> raining outside, so it's like, do I really want to go outside? I'm in slippers right now, so I can't do that, so my adulting moment is one of those moments where I'm like, am I really an adult? Like, I really can't just go out and get toilet paper. Because you're literally like 100 feet from a grocery store. Don't tell oh people God, that. <laughs> 
I know. I know. It's even more pathetic. Trust me. I realize that. Um, There's like two big grocery stores as well. Yeah, two and of them. CVS. Yeah, and a Wawa. Actually. I don't. I think Wawa might. I can go get you toilet paper. After no, no, no. This. It's good. We're good. We're good. I'm gonna make it out there. I need to go grocery shopping anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna make things happen. All right, good. Yeah. So Melissa, why don't you grace us with with your uh, adulting moment this week? All right. So my adulting moment is recently um, I hired a graphic designer and I have an awesome intern and they both worked out of my apartment and it felt like a real team and there's more chairs I need to fill in so um yeah I'm kind of just growing my team so that's awesome it's taken me a while that's a legit adulting moment where you're like all right I got things figured out Savannah and I are like we can't wipe our butts it's great we're we're really this is cool awesome well for all of you out there who have bared with us for this first ridiculous five minutes um let's go ahead and introduce who Melissa is because she is someone who in the Philly area has done some really cool things. And I know a lot of our listeners are from Philly. A lot of them are females. And so I really believe that through Melissa's story, you're going to not only be inspired, but also have a few new events on your calendar to look forward to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So who is Melissa Alam? So I'm going to give you her bio, and then I'm going to have her kind of tell her story. Sound good? Sounds good. So she's a digital and experiential brand designer based out of Philadelphia, a.k.a. she works with various clients day-to-day to help design their brands and build up their businesses. She also hosts various community events and a dope women's conference each year called Fearless Con. So, so pumped to talk about all of that. But if you could do us a favor and bring us back maybe to early 20s when you first kind of started your career and give us a brief overview and then we'll kind of dig a little bit deeper. So long ago, my early 20s. (laughs) Um, So I graduated from Temple with a uh, marketing degree. Yeah. And I, you know, kind of went the agency route after that because I thought that was what you do or go in-house for marketing. Um, I did get an in-house hotel marketing job but they wanted to drug test me and I was like, nah. (laughs) So I went the agency route. Um, And then I just, like after two years, just lost my creativity and kind of got bored with the routine, which is a common problem, um, Mm -hmm. both in my personal and professional life. But I, yeah, I just quit at 22 and then started freelancing and I've been doing that ever since. So I work with various uh, entrepreneurs and small businesses and I help design their brands from scratch or I help them with a redesign. So that is how I make my money and my rent. And then I also host different events um, before through my female empowerment brands, which were called Feminine Fortune and Fearless Con is my big conference under that. Um, And now also through the company Bumble that I uh, work for, so. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to kind of dig a little bit deeper on some of these things. The first place I want to start, though, is at 22, when you said that you just got bored and you're like, I need to leave and go off and do something on, on my own. Um, there's a lot of our listeners out there that are in that age range. They're mm-hmm. 22, 23, 24, and both Savannah and I have talked in lengths about what it felt like for us to have to leave our first job and like make that jump that was scary and somewhat unsure. Mm-hmm. Can you bring us back to that point in your life where you were like, all right, I'm just going to go for it. And what did that feel like for you? How did you make that decision and how did you deal with the fear? Yeah, I uh, I just, I think I, I have the worst memory, but I think I remember it felt like ripping off a Band-Aid because I just had this anxiety that they were going to fire me. So I was like, let me quit first. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, I didn't even, I 
had a meeting with the CEO and I was like, I'm going to go on a personal journey. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I just kind of did it. But I think that's something that um, I've done with throughout like most of my careers. I just take these jumps and leaps and I don't really weigh the pros and cons too much. Um, you just go off of your gut? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I have fun with these kind of things because I get to design my own life and career path and all that. But yeah, I just, I don't have a fear of failing because I think everything is a lesson. So um, that's good. Yeah. And that's also kind of where like the conference name fearless conference, AKA fearless con came from um, was because someone, a close friend of mine uh, told me I was fearless. And I thought that was like the most incredible uh, compliment to ever get mm-hmm. and I also used as when I was younger I used to read this book called um, I think was it called fearless or something it was about this character who was like created like genetically created in a lab and her name was Gaia and she had this she didn't have the fear gene so she was like a vigilante on the streets wow. just like beating people up and her dad trained oh. her to like all these like types wow. of kung fu and like martial arts and stuff and I just loved that concept of just not having any fear yeah um and just going out and doing things and yeah taking big risks i just i'll book a one-way ticket to somewhere random tomorrow if i wanted to and it just like it, it excites me so wow that's a really impressive muscle to yeah because a lot of people it takes them years to be able to figure out how to overcome. deal with that yeah and overcome fear and like walk through it and not just like mm-hmm. ignore it um, so that's really cool. What, yeah. what were those first steps like, like getting your first clients and that, like that initial process of getting your business up and running? Yeah. I mean the first few weeks, well, I actually got my first client a week after I quit my job. So, um, I had like, they, I had like one more check coming in the mail. So I knew I had like $1,300 to last me the next two weeks. So I first went on Craigslist and started looking at like part-time jobs, so I got a hostessing job at Circles Thai, um, which was awesome. Ended up meeting my boyfriend that I had dated for like a year and a half through that job. So um, it was a good decision to do that. And then I found all these random like brand ambassador gigs. So I had all these kind of like random hustles going on for money. And then during my free time, which was all the time now, I was <laughs> learning how to design websites and then building my own brand. So I started telling people what I was doing. I you know, made business cards, like just really building up um, my personal brand because I didn't have a name at the time. I started posting on social media, like the behind the scenes and me working and, um, just like really going for it. So, uh, clients would just come in through referrals because I was posting my work and networking at the right events and talking to as many people as I could. I was actually leaving my apartment those days. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, I just kept building up my, my personal brand. And I think that's really important because regardless of what business I've had or because um, I've had many, my personal brand hasn't changed. So it helps, um, I guess, strengthen the my like my my mission and purpose and strengthen the, the loyalty of my community as well it's because I'm so active on my own on my own shit. So, yeah. So now how did you develop your personal brand? How did you decide what area were you going to really target? I mean, it seems like from what you've described that a lot of your personal brand has to do with female empowerment and being Mm -hmm. fearless and taking these risks. And how did you decide that? Or was it really even an intentional decision or did it just kind of fall into place for you? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a mixture of both. I just recognized that there wasn't 
um, there was a community of like female freelancers and entrepreneurs that I was befriending and we were like co-working together before it was even a thing. Um, and there was, a, you know, the online community was growing. So there are these bloggers I was following to like learn more about business, but there was a void in Philadelphia because the female, you know, empowerment or, you know, entrepreneurship events were really, you know, held by a law firm and it's like 50 mm -hmm. older women in suits and <laughs> not a lot of women of color. And so... I wasn't going to those types of events. And then these conferences I wanted to go to, um, they all had men speak, like male speakers, and that wasn't relevant to me either. So I saw an opportunity to create this community, which is, I created Femin Fortune um, back in 2013. And that was a digital platform for ambitious women. So I had articles, and I did like monthly events and meetups. Um, and that, that grew. I mean, people started to love that. I started to get invites for like press events and from there, I uh, launched a year later The Hive, a co-working space for women. So I had that opportunity to take that leap um, and open up a brick and mortar. And then I launched the conference a year after that. So everything has been aligned because not only is there a void um, in the market for like millennial, hip, female-oriented uh, organizations, but a lot of the, the ones that do exist um, skip over Philadelphia. So a huge opportunity there is to create you know, community and events and programming here in Philly. So yeah, so it seems like community was such a huge theme throughout all of the businesses that you started and continued with. Yeah. How are you able to because you mentioned that your your personal brand has stayed the same, but your businesses have changed over time. So how are you able to gracefully make those shifts and keep people aligned with the still the core mission of what you were doing and understanding what you're doing as you were changing the, the things you're actually doing yeah I mean I was very transparent I mean I just I think the beauty of social media is that you can be whoever you want to be but hopefully you choose yourself you know mm -hmm. and so I just didn't give any fucks and I told people what was happening and I started writing more um I wrote a few articles on like Medium about how I was feeling and people related. Um, and I'm talking about after I closed a business and, um, you know, not seeing that as a failure, but a stepping stone towards, you know, a better business in the future. So, yeah, I was just like telling people and I wasn't afraid of like hiding it. I didn't go like MIA. <laughs> um, I, I did go on a lot of like soul searching trips. I went to like Berlin and um, I booked like a, like solo trips all over. I was in mm -hmm. Panama and the jungles for a little bit. So, um, and that's where I did my first stand up. So, yeah, it's been fun just kind of like discovering yourself and um, through like discovering uh, how to be a better business leader as, as well. So, let's talk about those uh, soul searching trips. Yeah. Because we actually just had a um, guest on our show who kind of found her dream job through going on some of these trips. So I'm so fascinated by them. I think, you know, the idea of traveling alone and having to be okay with eating dinner by yourself and mm -hmm. having to be okay with talking to the stranger next to you and having to be okay with, you know, really putting yourself out there is so fascinating. It does create, you know, more resilience within you and it creates more experience and you just have different perspectives on life. So can you share with us Maybe a story or two from any of your journeys that you've taken? Yeah. PG or rated R. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Both? Either or? It doesn't matter? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I moved around a lot as a kid. And I have two older brothers that are much older. So I kind of grew up having to, um, like, create an identity for myself wherever I've been. So, 
it is like scary and to put yourself out there and talk to strangers in a cafe in some foreign lands but um I did that recently in Bali and, and made like I had an awesome conversation throughout dinner with these two people and they're like telling me to move to Bali and <laughs> giving me all these um you know uh places to visit and stuff so there's always just like cool conversations to be had or experiences um I remember there was one trip where I was on a layover in uh, Doha and in the Middle East and um, I went up to the souk by myself and I see this girl with like traveling by herself, um, sweaty with a backpack and I just kind of like followed her down like a few <laughs> little alleyways and then I was like, I went up to her and I was like, hey, do you know where uh, we can, I can get a hookah? Just like, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I think I saw some over there and I was like, do you want to walk around with me? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> so we ended up hanging out the whole day. And it turns out her name was Melissa as well. Oh, my God. That's crazy. So she was from Paris traveling to Shanghai to see her parents. Um, she also had a 12-hour layover but no hotel room. So I invited her over to mine. Wow. And I was like, I don't usually do this, but do you want to come to my hotel tonight? I mean, <laughs> um, so we showered, got room service. It was just, like, such an awesome, like, friendly experience. And then I was in Paris, like, two years later and um, grabbed dinner with her and her friends. Um, so we've stayed in touch. So it's, like, these kind of global experiences that make the world much smaller and mm-hmm. accessible and, like, I just love traveling and I, I feel like I get, I, I become like a better person, a stronger person each time. I also get like inspiration for my work yeah. um, through like seeing different restaurants and different how, brands and, and events and yeah, just putting yourself out there. You know? Yeah. And so from what you just said, because I, I want to actually talk a little bit more about what you do for a living, which is the brand design and the experiential design. Mm-hmm. You also host a lot of events. So you mentioned that you get a lot of inspiration from going to different restaurants and being able to travel. The experiential design, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like that's something a little bit newer in the branding industry that maybe people don't know much about. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I recently heard that word, but yeah, I think I really related to it because I don't just create events, I create experiences. So basically what that means is I love to take things when it comes to my events a little further than what's written on the Eventbrite page. So yeah, I take my events very seriously and I take the messaging and the purpose behind them very seriously. And um, I try to partner with relevant other brands and um, companies to make that experience for the attendee that much better. So I don't know, I'm just like addicted to event planning. Like (laughs) I don't, but the fun fact, I mean, Savannah probably knows I love planning the events and then I just like lay low the rest of the trip or like yeah. the rest of the <laughs> I'm like, people are like, how was, how was your conference? Uh, I, I'm like, I was blacked out the whole time, honestly. Like, <laughs> I love like planning and putting things together and then um, just hiding in a corner for the rest of the duration. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of having a team now or like people at least to support you and do the parts of the event that you might not have the expertise. For example, like Hava was at mm-hmm. the one event who owns namaste nourish which we'll be interviewing her soon too but like just having her to cook for you and and having other people there to just like help probably puts a lot of weight off of you too when it comes to organizing something like that yeah and it took me like many many years to get to that point that's something that i'm still very happy and like proud of um in terms of like a benchmark in my career is to be able to hire my friends now and not do it all because yeah, y'all would have been eating some trash that weekend <laughs> if I had to do it all. So I was lucky to be sleeping in while Hava was making delicious breakfast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, being able to um, put like 
put money back into the business or back into um, whatever event you're planning is, is, is crucial. So Yeah. Are there any events that you put on where you've taken your experiences as far as travel or things that you've seen outside of Philly and brought them back here into Philly into your events? I mean, everything. Um, I go to a lot of retreats with different groups. Um, and I try and attend a lot of conferences, not only for my own personal development, but also competitor research and kind of taking notes and bringing that back to uh, FearlessCon, for instance. Um, I did go to a re- retreat in the Mojave Desert recently, and we um, did a tea ceremony at night that was infused with shrooms. So I wish I could bring that back. <laughs> so that's something Sounds that... Sounds cool. Yeah, it was awesome. We were just dancing all night. Um, and the... Yeah, so there's like so many cool experiences that I've I've been a part of and um, I try and kind of bring back when it's relevant. Right. Now with being a business owner and having all of these different things and you touched on it a little bit, um, I know something that I struggle with a lot is delegation mm-hmm. and you know, learning that it's okay to not be handling every single aspect of your life and your business and trying to juggle all of these different plates and since you have so many different places that you're spinning. Can you talk a little bit how you overcame that obstacle of like kind of releasing the need to do everything? Oh man, uh, I wish I had an answer because I suck at delegation, but <laughs> I I try. I mean, my schedule is so weird. I don't just like work every day, nine to six and like, like close shop. I sometimes wake up late and like I just, my schedule's all over the place and or I have events throughout the day, so because of that, I haven't been able to consistently grow like my team. So I have this year hired um, a virtual assistant in Portugal who's helped with some of the um, things that I've realized I don't have to do, like uploading uh, client work to my portfolio after it's done. And the key, I think, is to just take some time out and write down exactly the steps or record it through like one of those um, video recorders on, like I use Loom, which is pretty awesome, uh, and just write it down and then you just to spend a little time to teach teach someone gives you uh, such a great ROI and time back onto your schedule. So that's what I've learned is every time I've like taught one of my interns or um, contractors how to do something, it's only benefited me. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so true. Yeah, it's just kind of taking time out. Yeah, I totally agree. I had to go through this one time too with hiring a designer, and it was the first time I ever hired a designer on my team full time, and it was a very scary move for me because I also have issues with like giving up control mm-hmm. of certain projects. But it's so true. Like with hiring him, he was able to update my website for me and like put all the work on there while I could actually focus on the clients that I needed to serve and like the the actual work mm-hmm. where he could just focus on maintaining the brand and like social media and all the stuff that like I didn't necessarily need to do. So um, I think that's great that you can recognize that. And mm-hmm. even if it's uncomfortable, kind of like step into that and start doing it a little bit more. Yeah. Honestly, I don't want to work at all. Um, <laughs> that is my life goal is yeah. to not work at all. So if I can, I mean, the other day I taught um, my intern how to edit photos and I also had her um, take photos at an event because I have two cameras. So I mean, I'm just, I'm so, I love teaching actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And my goal is to teach people how to do everything so I can just be sipping on a Mai Tai uh, on an (laughs) island somewhere. So, yeah. 
Now, with you being entrepreneurial, I'm sure there's definitely moments where you think of new ideas, but you have to put the halts on them because you're like, I just can't take that on right now. Or Mm -hmm. does that not happen to you? Oh, all the time. Yeah, Um, obviously all the time. So how do you say no to things and what do you choose to work on and pour your energy into? uh, Yeah, so when it comes to like ideas for my own brand, I just, I see if it's, if I'm capable of doing it and I look at my current client load. Um, Clients come first and because they pay the bills and um, yeah, if I have time to do something or can hire someone to do it, then I will. But I don't know. It's it's a tough balance because I also overload on clients and take too many um, without a good schedule. So I'm also trying to figure out how to be better at completing like client work on time and mm-hmm. like knowing what my load is and telling people like creating a wait list. And yeah, I just I think I, the next role I need to hire is like a project manager because I'm good at like bringing in business and the overall being a creative director and like knowing the vision for whatever the client needs or wants. But um, there are certain positions I need to hire for me to actually scale and grow because otherwise I'm doing so much of the work. Yeah. And it's getting to be too much, which is a good problem to have. So it's time to grow. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that definitely is a good problem to have. But I'm the same way where I just have to learn how to say no to things and it gets difficult. So that advice yeah. was good. I mean, another thing is also... Um, to kind of be more strategic is like know what types of like clients are coming to you that you're saying no to and then still offering them possibly like um, a different service. Um, so I started uh, opening up strategy sessions for like $450 where you have like two hours of my time and we go through a complete strategy. So some clients are willing to invest in that versus um, a full website redesign at the moment, which would cost like a few thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, I just launched website audits for like $150 where I go through your website and tell you what would need to be changed. And that's more for the people that have the capabilities, but just need the direction when it comes to updating their website. That makes sense. So instead of just being like, oh, sorry, like I can't, I don't have time to take you on as a full project, but also rec- I recognize where they are, um, you know, in their timeline of entrepreneurship and then offering them another service that I can do pretty quickly. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, that's so smart to be able yeah. to like offer more. It's, it's not as uh, uh, in depth in terms of the work that you need to do. So yeah. allows, or long term. Right, it allows you to make your time more valuable in the short term. Yeah. Still add value to your clients, but also focus on the ones who you really need to focus on on a long-term basis. Yeah, yeah. and it still creates that initial relationship. So like, mm-hmm. if they do need something later on, they're more likely to come back to you. Exactly. And the next step for me is to create passive income. So I want to create actual courses um, so I can wake up to PayPal notifications. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the best kind. That is my goal. Um, and that's something I've also been sitting on because I'm just like so busy with client work. But yeah, I just have to, again create more time in the day and figure it out. So courses are something that I have also been wanting to create. And so for the last three weeks, I was procrastinating. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I had like a basic outline, but I just wouldn't create the first video. And I found that like for me, when I collaborate with people, it makes things so much easier. Mm -hmm. And like, things just move. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, this podcast, mm-hmm. I don't think it would go anywhere if it was just one of us doing it. We need each other to kind of feed off of the energy and like schedule things, accountability. So recently um, found another girl who is going to create this course with me. And finally, like, I feel like things are moving and like, we're actually creating it and we have timelines and deadlines. And I'm like, 
this is how I need to work. Like, this is my weakness. Yeah. I need accountability and I can't do it all alone. I need to collaborate with other mm-hmm. people. Yeah, when you both have a vested interest. I mean, that's the whole motto, collaboration over competition. Like, that's been my focus all 2019. I Yeah, I'm so in agreement with that. Yeah. So, that might be a suggestion. Um, Never. No? Never going to collaborate. No, <laughs> <laughs> No, thank you. It's not, not part of me. my personal brand. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, if it makes sense, definitely. Yeah, um, it has to be in alignment, obviously, yeah. but. Wow, cool. So can you tell us a little about FearlessCon? Because mm-hmm. I know you've mentioned, we've gone over a lot of the other areas of your business, but FearlessCon, I, I feel like, is something that will be of interest to a lot of our listeners, um, either as attendees or just people who would want to put on events at some point in their life. So FearlessCon is, yeah, that has been my conference for the past five years. This is my fifth year hosting it. And I originally started it because I needed to make cash fast (laughs) for rent. Nice. So, no, I also wanted to, you know, create a big event. And I love challenging myself. I love a good challenge. So, yeah, and I was going to all these conferences around the country and nothing was, like, coming again to Philly. So that was my chance. And it just, it's it's great. Honestly, it's a lot of work. And maybe I black it out of my mind because... how much work it is, uh, but I love seeing the result of it. And yeah, it's um, I'm changing up the format actually this year. And prior years, I've done like a day of workshops and then a day of panel discussions. And there's like breakfast and lunch, and we have a you know female market, uh, uh, female makers or brand marketplace. We have an after party um, or cocktail hour. So there's just a lot of like events where women can come together network, um, learn from other, other amazing women, um, in different fields and industries and backgrounds. And yeah, so this year I'm changing it up because the two days was just too much work. So this year I'll be hosting uh, a pitch competition for a female founded company. Um, trying to have a grand prize of at least $5,000. So I'm working on the, um, prizes and the partners right now, but a significant amount of money for someone to win, to invest back into their business. So that's going to be on a Friday night. And then the next day, Saturday, will be the all-day conference. So I'm, I'm combining the workshops and the panels into one day. So we'll have workshop tracks in the morning, lunch, and then a few panels followed by a cocktail hour. And that is that. And I think that's going to be a lot of um, – it's a lot less of events because before people were kind of like stretched too thin with all that I was offering. So I'm just trying to combine everything into a more packed schedule. But – it's going to be cool. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, if you're making women feel empowered and feel like they've learned something and taken something away from it, if it's just one day, then it's fine. Yeah. yeah. I actually kind of prefer one-day conferences. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really great. And then where can people buy tickets or find out more information? Yeah, so I am hopefully launching the website tomorrow. I just updated the branding. But yeah, tickets pre-sale will be 149 And then... Um, after the pre-sale is over, there'll be $199 leading up to the conference at fearlesscon.com. And then, yeah, uh, it's going to be October 26th this year. So I'm, I'm changing the date just because of the venue that I got. But it will be late October. Awesome. Sounds great. I'm definitely going to be there. You can Yay. count on me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. I'll, I'll be your too. first ticket buyer. Yeah. <laughs> um so then another question that I have, and so I see you a lot around Philly, like you're always going to different events and, um, really? 
This is my doppelganger. <laughs> at least that's the perception from your Instagram. I feel like you're going to all these networking events, or at least maybe you were at one point. Um, and I feel like you've gotten yourself pretty inserted in the Philadelphia entrepreneurial community. So let's say someone is moving to a new city. What suggestions would you give them to really getting themselves into a young, vibrant community of entrepreneurs or just business leaders in general? Yeah, I would say to A, show up and like make an impact. So actually talk to people. And I would also say network online as well. So it's a, it's a, especially if you're new to a city and this is what I would do is I would definitely look for different creative community events, follow people through Instagram and start engaging with them. And um, I used Twitter a lot when I was first uh, starting, starting to freelance. I used Twitter to create a lot of connections with people and that a lot of them became my friends in real life because we'd be tweeting and be like, oh, hey, I saw you at this event. And then awkwardly stand there with some champagne. And then by the second event, <laughs> we were friends. But the, it's always the first one that's like, oh, OK, hey. And um, and then also host your own stuff. So just because you're new to a city doesn't mean you can't create a really great experience that's well branded. Um, so host a meetup, host a coffee shop date. I mean, there's so much you can do to be proactive in that situation as well. Yeah. That's really cool. I think everything that you've said so far has been amazing. Like with you being able to walk through fear, create all these awesome opportunities for yourself, create community between women and the entrepreneurial space in Philadelphia. It seems like you've just rode this wave of success after success. Do you recognize that for yourself? Honored. I don't. <laughs> so, I mean, I just try not to take myself so seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and inspiration isn't always striking. So I'm, sometimes I'm just like in a lull uh, and I don't know what to create. But yeah, I thank you for that. I, I mean, it's something that I think, you know, imposter syndrome, we always, a lot of us deal with not feeling like we're doing good enough or well, you know, like we're not doing enough at all in terms of growing our business. And then to hear how someone else views you or your business from the outside is, is it's always like much different than how you view yourself. Right. So I think we just, we put ourselves down so much and we need to, um, stay more positive and like have a mantra. Like you are a badass bitch mm-hmm. and you're killing it in the game, you know, and wake up to that every day. So yeah. Yeah, that's something we've talked about before in our podcast about imposter syndrome. And I think women deal with it more heavily than men do uh, for a lot of different reasons. I think one, it's like goes back to that book. Have you read the book Brave Not Perfect? No. Oh, my God. I don't read a lot. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. So it's this book that talks about how women ever since childhood have been kind of taught by society both intentionally but really more so unintentionally to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Whereas men have been taught by society more intentionally to be brave. Hmm. So, you know, the, the princess gets kissed by the prince and she wakes up and the, the man turns into a superhero and, and like all those different kinds of things. And the woman's a damsel in distress and, um, the woman's a Stepford wife and like all those different kinds of things. And so the book talks a lot about how women put all of this pressure on themselves to be perfect and perfection is like an unrealistic end result, right? And so they talk about how imposter syndrome is like runs way more rampant in women Mm -hmm. because we just have this crazy expectation to, to quote unquote live up to. 
And our reality so far, so often is far from that expectation. And so we convince ourselves that we're not doing enough and that everyone else around us knows the expectation that we have for ourselves. And we convince ourselves that everyone else around us can see that gap that we mm-hmm. see for ourselves. Oh, but wow. in reality, it's just us seeing that gap. Everybody else looks at us not knowing what we expect of ourselves. And they're yeah. like, wow, she's killing it. She's crushing it. She's doing great. But here we are like, no, 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 no. I'm supposed to be there. Right. And everyone else is like, says who? And you're like, <laughs> says the unrealistic or, expectation. I think you're already there. Right. And yeah. Yeah. That's helped me remind myself is like, my imposter syndrome is all made up in my head and Mm -hmm. people around me don't see what I think I should be doing. And they're like, you're doing a lot more than I think I should be doing or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think in regards to that, and um, again, like I try not to be too hard on myself, but I think what's helped is recognizing the feelings that you want to feel or like the feelings, like what, what's going to make you be satisfied at, um, in t- like not a, not necessarily like a milestone in terms of like I'm gonna reach this amount of money or um, I'm gonna have this many people attend. But like, what are the feelings you want people who attend your event to come come out after um, feeling? Or how do you want to feel after you finish a client project? Or how do you want the client to feel? And I kind of chase those, and that helps me. Those are kind of like my success factors mm-hmm. is like when a client's happy or when I see two new people collaborating after an event or becoming friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of just like negates all of the stress that led up to it because I worked really hard to chase those feelings and that, that dopamine um, that I get after hosting an event or after finishing an awesome project. So, yeah, I'm, everyone has their own technique with imposter syndrome, but Again, I'm just like trying to have a good time in this life and yeah. trying to travel and I'm chasing whatever sparks joy in my life. And um, I'm not really too worried about like money. I mean, I say that now, but I'm also the type of person where I'm like, okay, if I want to make a certain amount, I could stay up all night tonight and host three workshops or plan this or like I'll figure out how to mm-hmm. make that money. Or I'll figure out how to do this. So. Yeah, right now it's I'm all about like mental health and um, doing things that make me happy. And I started going to like hot yoga during the day and like yeah, I'm trying to not work so hard because I know it can take a strain on on your sanity. Also, being on social media and comparing mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, I mean I'm single and thirty and not married and um, looking going on social media and seeing everyone's like engaged and just congrats <laughs> Shelby. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but not comparing my timeline to that um, has been, like, crucial in my mental health as well right. because um, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm good at and what, like, I find joy doing, which is client work or working with really cool brands and projects. And um, I'm just going to wait for my own timeline to, to kind of happen. So, yeah, I'm just, yeah. you know, go with the flow. Good vibes only. I love that. That's <laughs> really, really, cool. really valuable because I find myself oftentimes going on social media and like there was a point in time where I would go on my friends from high school or colleges, social media, Instagrams, social media, Instagrams, go on their Instagrams 
and I would like compare their percentage of likes to how many followers they had. And they'd you had like, their Excel spreadsheet out late. Like, <laughs> I'd, be like, I'd be like, damn, they're getting like 30% engagement. I get 10%. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do they get 700 likes on a fucking donut? And I like pour my heart out and get 30 likes. Like, what is wrong with this? Yeah. But like, you know, I had to recognize that 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 is all just fake. It's like yeah. this, this alternate universe that, you know, if I help one person with my post, that's a lot more than they've helped with the picture of their donut, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it does get in your head. Yeah, and like going back to what you were saying about being perfect and then also what you were saying earlier, much earlier about like just being authentic and being you on social, it's, it's such a hard bridge, like it's such a hard like balance to keep because on one hand like you're trying to put out your best work possible and your best you possible and then when those days when you feel off or you're like I'm pivoting or I'm doing something different it's almost like that fear creeps up of like if I'm authentic about this and I share this with people are people going to think I'm a fraud because I am now changing direction or they're not going to get it and then you have all these like doubts but I love what you said about just chasing the emotion of how you want people to feel from what you're doing. Yeah, or how you want to feel. And honestly, like, we are living our own lives. Like, I, like, my mom recently was, I, you know, was talking to her and she was saying something about how she doesn't want other people to know, like, in her community. Like, how, how, what are other people going to say, basically? And I was like, Mom, who gives a flying fuck about what other people think about our lives and our Mm -hmm. family? Like, we are our own individuals like we make our own choices what we do does not affect anyone else but ourselves and so to kind of worry about you know likes and and um comments and you know having the perfect relationship or having the perfect body or Mm -hmm. having like a million dollars in the bank or seven you know like it's just so unhealthy and um we're not taught to love ourselves and i think there's a new trend that you know is pushing us forward to kind of recognize that mental health aspect and to love ourselves more and like to do things that make ourselves happy. And so, yeah, yeah, it's kind of just recognizing what that is. If that's meditation or if that's like going, stepping away from the laptop and like going outside for a walk, like whatever it is, it's just kind of focus on being the best version of yourself because that's going to be the best version to create, to innovate and to like, you know, create these awesome relationships down the line. So Yeah, that's what I love so much about our generation is that we grew up knowing what it was like with and without social. Yeah. And now we can be the leaders for these younger kids growing up and showing them the correct way. (laughs) Like the right way to be authentic and to just like just lead the path in self love. Yeah. Which is hard to do. It's It's really really an important time for people Mm -hmm. of our age to stand up and be like, hey, we don't need to edit ourselves. Like we are great how we are and we're beautiful and we're smart and we don't need to be anyone that we're not you know we're meant to be exactly who we are for a reason yeah and I started also just along that those lines unfollowing profiles that just didn't align with what mm-hmm. I wanted to see yeah um and so that's helped so I kind of you know I, I love being inspired and motivated by other people who are hustling and working and you know um creating cool things so i'm just starting to follow more of those kinds of brands and personalities versus you know influencers who are on a beach right now so right which is my life goal i know yeah but until then yeah that makes sense uh, i love it so okay let's let's ask the, the final question yes 
If you can give any piece of advice to your 20 year old self, what would it be? Um, so I would say two pieces of advice I'd give is to definitely get a security deposit before you start dating someone new because those relationships in my 20s were trash. <laughs> and the second piece of advice would be to keep taking risks because every risk I've taken has led me to who I am now and I think I'm pretty dope and I love yeah. my life right now. So yeah. That's, that's awesome. It. That's really cool. So where can our followers find you? Well, followers, you can find me at Ring the Alam, A-L-A-M, on all social media. My website's melissaalam.com, and then my address is, I'm kidding, but. <laughs> okay. <Nice. laughs> That's awesome. Well, as always, guys, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know that we sure did. And if you liked the episode, please do us a favor and follow Melissa, give her a shout out, let her know that you think she's awesome because we think she's awesome. And of course, as we always ask at the end of every episode, if you like this episode, please go onto iTunes, hit that subscribe button, hit those five stars. It takes you literally three seconds, but it means the world to us. And if you screenshot this episode and post it on your story, we will give you a shout out, we promise. So do it. Get some recognition. Get your five minutes of fame. Yeah. Do it. Okay. Bye, everyone. <laughs>